Okay. So yeah, we don't have the the jingle. DJ, um, we've while you were gone, we voted that you're gonna sing it. I'm gonna sing the jingle. Excellent. Finally, <laughs> I get to show my show my moves. Uh, I love it. So, all right, are we ready? Yep. Um, okay. Um, well, here we are at that podcast, coming to you live from Zoom. Special um, Couchcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. Um, uh, that Zoomcast. That Very cool. <laughs> yeah, that Zoomcast. How, how do you like my background? How, how does it come through on your end? Is the is the at sign backwards? No. Okay. No, that's right. Yeah. I'm just going to record this way. Here's the real question, though, is are, are we comparing it to your past Zoom backgrounds that you've had through COVID? Because Tiger King will always be number one. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, wasn't, was that wasn't a Zoom cast, though. True. That was other shenanigans. <laughs> Tom Foolery. <laughs> so... Yeah, so we're all here um, uh, away from the, well, DJ's at the office, it looks like. I'm at the office. Um, I snuck in. They didn't see me coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just get going. This is a little weird for yeah. all of our, all of our, our listeners or seers now. Well, part of it is you didn't you didn't say you didn't say your two catchphrases yet. You haven't said you said that podcast instead of that podcast. And that's later riveting. on. That's they're both later on though. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Brian has a very strict podcast list he has to follow in his head. There's a schedule, sure. Yep. Well, I'm 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 using my laptop. Usually that's where my notes are. So you have windows open? Well, no, won't it? Won't it? Uh, I'm I'm new to this recording. The pod, the the Zoom meeting won't. It, it won't, won't go through. Sharing your screen. What? Oh, okay. Well, good. So, what'll come through? The three of us. Yeah. It's just going to be our faces for the next however long we talk for. <laughs> I love it. So, um, so uh, DJ. You just yes. got back from I did. Hotlanta, they call it. Yes, and I'll tell you what, it was, it was so much fun. I, I was asked to uh, um, um, preside at a, at a wedding mm -hmm. and, and to uh, administer three baptisms. Oh, wow. And uh, one of the baptisms was for the bride. So it was, it was really fun. Um, and before I get into the, that, though, there's some things I want to share about that because it was just a really neat place that we went to. I wanted to share a, a parent fail. So in our, you know, we, we just got back like two days ago. And so um, at our school, uh, my youngest son, Dylan, goes to school uh, only a couple days a week. It's, it's, uh, he goes on Thursdays and Fridays, and then he has homeschooling on Mondays and Tuesdays, and then it's every other Wednesday. And so for whatever reason, the teacher sent the schedule, I, I knew what needed to be done, but part of my job is to get him to school in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so this morning, I'm like, oh, let's go, let's do it. You got school, it's your Wednesday, got him to the bus, got him off the bus, no problem, piece of cake. I get home. Uh, or I go back to the house and I'm about to get ready to, to come into the office. And probably 10 minutes later, I get a message from the school saying, yeah, um, Dylan's not supposed to be here today. He's in group two. Group one is here. Come get your kid. So I'm like, oh no. And so I go there and I'm, you know, I'm masked up and and there's, there's one attendant outside. Everyone else has already gone in, into the, the building. And I, I get out of the car and she looks at me and she's like, can I help you? I said, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I brought my son to school today and he's not supposed to be at school today. And she just chuckles and she says, you're not the first and you won't be the last. <laughs> no worries. Oh. So, I go, so I go into the office and he's sitting there and he's, he's eating like a, like a 
muffin and drinking orange juice, just having a good old time. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, that's the it's the world that we live in with these with the schedules the way they are right now. So yeah, he's yeah. probably wishing you'd bring him in in the wrong days more often. <laughs> I was going to ask, is it still like, oh, it's fine, dad? Or was it like, man, dad, took me on the wrong day? I don't think it bothered him one bit because he got a muffin and <laughs> juice and all kinds of good stuff. So he was like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go home. No problem. Do, 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 do. He, uh, he rolled with it pretty well. My teenager would have been mortified, I think. Yeah. Yep. They're, they get a little more testy about things like that. Right. Right. So yeah, he was he was happy to go back home. He's like, oh cool. No problem. Yeah, whatever. Not doing homework. So anyway, uh where we went in, we were in Atlanta, and I don't know if you guys have ever been to Atlanta. Um I used to live in the South and I'd never been there. Uh kind of a kind of a sore subject for me actually. I was supposed to be there in April, but COVID. Right. Yeah. Well, and and so I texted my brother, I said, guess where I'm at? I'm at the home of world championship wrestling wcw and of course he had to come back and the home of rick flair Woo! so but atlanta i don't know if you've ever been to atlanta i didn't realize how big the city is it's as big as philadelphia like it's six million people and a beautiful city um you know uh twice the size of minneapolis st paul um but just absolutely beautiful. And I was curious about like what size it was in the United States for a metro area. Like a metro mm-hmm. area is more than a city because the city of Atlanta by itself is about 500,000 people. But the, the metro, the, the whole thing, the whole city area is 6 million people. So oh, it's wow. the ninth biggest metro area in the country. Do you know what the metro area of Fargo is? I would guess 250,000. Yeah, it's 250,000. We are the 150th, I think, largest metro in the United States. There's, we're actually bigger than some other ones, which I found surprising. Yeah. But the metro, Fargo metro area is Fargo, West Fargo, Moorhead, and Dilworth. And it goes as far out as Rothsay in one direction, and I believe Castleton in the other direction. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think down to Wapiton going south, and I'm not sure what it was going north, but it wasn't it wasn't Grand Forks. It wasn't that far. It goes all the way down to Wapiton. Yeah, according to the the according to what the Wikipedia's told me. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So, but so we were outside of Atlanta, in this town called Covington, and I didn't know anything about Covington. Uh, the the family that um, uh, very very old good friends, um, been involved with, with, uh, kind of their, their family for about a, um, little over five years now. Um, but I've, I had the honor of being the officiant for all of the kids' weddings and all of the kids' baptisms. Um, so I've been, I, I, I got to continue doing that. Um, but they own a, um, it's a bed and breakfast, but it's a bed and breakfast that has been in multiple movies mm. and TV shows. And I, I didn't know this Covington or like Georgia in general is like the Hollywood of the South. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go down this list with you of the different places that have been um, in movies in Covington and see if you recognize any of them. Okay. Okay. So you ready? Oh yeah. You can find it. Are any of them before 1995? Because you can take uh, Sarah okay. out of the context. So, so I'm just going to go down the list and you tell me if you know it or not. And the earliest one that I found on here is 1955. But the, the place where the wedding took place um, was the, according to the author of Gone with the Wind, it was the inspiration for Gone with the Wind. Wow. So you've heard of Gone with the Wind, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, so the first place or the first movie is called A Man Called Peter from 1955. I've never heard of it. Nope. Okay. How about False Face from 1977? Nope. Okay. I wasn't born until 78. All right. Well, then you, you would, I'm sure you know this one, The Dukes of Hazard. Oh, yeah. The, the yeah. movie or the TV show or both? Uh, the TV series. Okay. And there's there's a scene that every dukes fan knows about when they go skidding around on the dirt road and then hit the jump Mm -hmm. 
That's in Covington. So was that also, uh, that wasn't where the, uh, the, the, um, the cousins, uh, remember those episodes where the, uh, what was his name? It was Vance and, uh, the other guy, you remember that? They couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's the cousins. It's the, it's the first five episodes of 1979. Okay. And so the iconic scene that you see in like, you know, whenever they would go to a commercial and they'd be in the air. Yeah. That jump is in Covington. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the, the skid around the dirt road is, is in Covington. Like they, they mark it off. And it, when you walk around Covington, like I said, it's just this pi picturesque little town that it, you'd never guess. It's just absolutely gorgeous. A lot of trees, a lot of nature. And then these huge mansions mm -hmm. um, that are like 200 years old. So uh, the next one is the prize fighter from 1979. Prize fighter. Yep. Who was in it? Uh, not, not a clue. Oh, okay. I'm just going down a list. <laughs> Little Darlings from 1980. You guys ever heard of that? Mm, no. Nope. I don't think so. All right. Well, here's here's a classic one, and I really hope there was more pictures of the of the leading star on it. Uh, the Cannonball Run from 1980. Oh yeah, I've got that on on DVD. I don't think so. I don't think I've heard of that one. So the house that, that the wedding took place is called 12 Oaks. That's the name of it. And they have different rooms that are tied to movies that were shot on site at the house. Okay. And they have a cannonball run room. Nice. Pretty That's cool. really cool. So you can, you can book rooms there uh, at the bed and breakfast for, I mean, they weren't incredibly expensive as I could tell, hmm. but you could say, I want to stay in the cannonball run room. That's neat. So, uh, uh, real quick, the prize fighter, uh, yep. starred, uh, Tim Conway and Don Knotts. Oh, then it's a classic. It's gotta be if Don Knotts was in it. That's gotta be on like TV land or Turner movies, classic movies. Right. So the next one is coward of the County from 1981. Never heard of it. No, it was, uh, I bet Kenny Rogers was in it though. <laughs> I'm being serious. I think he, you know, he acted in some of those movies. Oh, yeah? I'll, yeah, I'll check it out. Okay. The next one is from 1985. It's called Door to Door. No. Nope. 1986. If you remember in, in the 80s, there was all those, those horror movies, right? Um, with those, those bad guys that kept coming back for sequels. Yep. Well, Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, Part 6, was shot in Covington. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is called Resting Place from 1986. Never heard of it. No. A Father's Homecoming from 1988. Nope. Okay. This TV series um, ran from 1988 to 1995 called In the Heat of the Night. Oh, yeah. Yep. And that was all sh shot at 12 Oaks. Like, that was the, the main spot. Oh, yeah. I watched that with my grandparents. Hey, Grandma. Yeah, right? There you go. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, the next one is Suddy and Simpson from 1990. I don't know what that one is. Nope. 1991 is Carolina Skeletons. 1991 is White Lie. Nope. Uh, 1991, Stay the Night. Uh, There's a TV series called I'll Fly Away from 91 to 92. Nope. Grassroots from 1992. Nope. The Secret Passion of Robert Clayton from 1992. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I know you guys know this one. Um, let's see if I can give you give you a hint. It's uh, a famous line. Is it the two Utes? Oh, nice. My, my cousin, cousin Vinny. My cousin Vinny from oh, 1992. That was filmed there, huh? Yeah. Sick. Now I never saw this movie, but I think I've heard of it. California and California spelled with a K. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I, th okay. I think. Um, uh, I want to say that. Um, uh, I can't I think of his name now. Um, Brad Pitt. I think he was in it. I'd have to okay. look. But yep. Kenny Rogers was in Coward of the County, by the way. He played yeah. Uncle Matthew. There you go. You, yep. you knew it. Um, the next one is The Oldest Living Confederate Widow from 1993. No. No, it's not on your, uh, your Netflix queue? Nope. Not on my list yet. <laughs> 1993, A Passion for Justice, The Hazel Brandon Smith Story. Nothing. Nope. Past the Bleachers from 1994. Nope. Okay. 
A Simple Twist of Fate from 1994. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Okay. We're getting closer to uh, to uh, Sarah's generation, so she might start recognizing We're like one year away, and I'll start knowing all of them. <laughs> uh, Savannah from 1996. No. No. How about Fled from 1996? Fled? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lawrence Fishburne, right? And, yeah, I think so. Uh, and uh, uh, one of the Baldwin brothers, Stephen Baldwin. Nice. I'm, I'm impressed you know the Baldwin brother by name, too. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So there was a TV show. It's really popular now, but it started as a different TV show in 1997 called The Flash. No. I, I, like uh, the, the, the uh, comic book character, The Flash? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nope, never saw it, though. Never saw it. Miss Evers Boys, 1997 TV movie. Nope. Okay. How about this one? This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Price of a Broken Heart. No? No. I've heard of this one. I don't think I've seen it. Wayward Son from 1999. No. Okay. Run, Ronnie, Run from 2000. No. The Accountant from 2001. No. Sounds familiar. The Accountant? Sounds yeah. like a, sounds like a uh, uh, John Grisham. Oh, it's got, um, oh, that's from 2016. Just kidding. Or who, who, who wrote The Firm? Was that John Grisham? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it sounds like something he would write. The Accountant. So when you walk around um, Covington, it's, it's, they have this, this big town square and there's a bunch of shops around it. It's just, it's just the coolest little place. It's what you'd imagine any, any small town, like, like a picturesque ideal where the town square, there's like the courthouse right there. And it's this old courthouse with all these shops around it. Mm -hmm. On the sidewalks, they have stars that, um, basically shot a movie in Covington. And this one, this next movie, I didn't, when I saw it, I, I was like, oh, wow. It's uh, Reese Witherspoon from Sweet Home Alabama in 2000. Yes. That's the best movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go watch it. I, I just, I'm like, I know who Reese Witherspoon is. Um, Otto Requiem from 2002. No. No. How about The Fighting Temptations from 2003? No. Turbulence with an exclamation point for 2004. Man, I've got nothing on hardly any of these. I, I don't know if a lot of these made it into the theaters. Um, <laughs> Although the ones that I do know, I, I enjoyed. Yeah, right. The Spy, I, I don't, I've never heard of this one. The Spy slash Fancy Dress from 2004. Nope. Nope. Bobby Jones, Stroke of Genius from 2004. Nope. Uh, three Wishes TV series from 2005. No, probably made it three episodes, I would guess. <laughs> False River from 2005. Nope. Boxed In from 2005. No. What about you, Sarah? We're, we're, this is you. All right. How about Medea's Family Reunion from 2006? Yep. No. Yeah. What is that? It's That's a Tyler Perry movie. He's, he's a, a big star. Da Dangerous Calling from 2008. Nope. Get Low from 2009. Nope. I think I've seen that one. I have to look up to see if he's in it. From Get Low. Yeah. So this this one, I'm a little, maybe this is an error. It says Halloween 2. Wasn't Halloween like in the 80s? Uh, it's talking about the Rob Zombie Halloween. Oh, okay. Uh, 2009, Halloween 2. That one I have seen. Okay. The Family That Prays, and Prey is spelled P-R-E-Y-S from 2009. Went from Halloween 2 to The Family That Prays, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the same year. I yep. think it's like spooky praise, not like holy praise. <laughs> right. Flyby from 2009. No. Nope. Now, now, this next one is like uh, a huge grabber of people because it's shot there for so long, and there's like two spinoffs of the show. And so there's shops all over the place and there's, there's actually like a restaurant that we went to that was part of the TV show. It's called the vampire diaries. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's still like, like tourists come from all over and um, the, 
main stars, the, the two brothers in the show, uh, their home was 12 Oaks. Okay. The place that, we, that, that the wedding was at. So from 2009 to 2017, the Vampire Diaries. Ever heard of The Walking Dead? Yes. That was shot there. Episode really? One. Yep. Episode one was shot there. Uh, Footloose from 2011. Never oh, saw that bad. one. I imagine it was an abomination, though. <laughs> I don't think it was Kevin Bacon. Julianne <laughs> from Dancing with the Stars was in it. There you go. Uh, American Reunion from 2012. Mm -hmm. Was that uh, American, a, Pie. A, American Pie? Okay. American, nope. Okay. Didn't see it. Uh, the Odd Life of Timothy Green from 2012. Nope. That's a movie if you want to cry. It's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that's the one where isn't like a family really wants a, a child and yep. then like he's in the garden. Yeah, he comes out of the garden. Yeah, okay. Yep. Mm. Classic. Uh, Selma from 2014 was shot in Covington. Don't know that one. Uh, how about um, the Taken series? Uh, I, I've never seen them. I've always wanted to, but I never get around to watching them. That's the one with like um, Qui-Gon Jinn, who said, whatever the actor's name is, the real famous guy who's like, Liam Neeson, I, yeah. I have a certain set of skills. That's, <laughs> that's all I can remember from that. So for the Dolly Parton fans, Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors, a TV yep. movie from 2015. Hmm. That's uh, the newest Vacation from the National Lampoon series, Vacation from 2015. No. I didn't even know they redid it. I think yeah. Ed Helms is in it. Ed Helms. So I'm, I'm coming near the end, so we're almost there. Bear with me. Um, uh, Dumplin' from 2018. That's another Dolly Parton movie. Netflix. And now these last couple, I think, are they have open production. They, cl they close because of COVID, but they're shooting right now. One is called Legacies. It's a TV series. It's part of like the Vampire Diaries spinoffs. Okay. Dr. Sleep from 2019. Nope, never heard of it. And then this one I heard is really good and it's on Netflix right now. It's called Sweet Magnolias. That is such a good show. Don't is it really? Know. Yes. So, yeah, so that's my claim to fame. I got to walk around where they shot a bunch of, of shows and it was, it was cool to hear the stories about um, the things that, um, let's see if I can get this open up again that happened at 12 Oaks with, uh, with the, the family that I got to be with. So. so this place is huge, it sounds like. Well, you know what? It's not. It, it's, it, that's movie magic. Okay. So it, it's, 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 like a, it's about 45 minutes outside of, of Atlanta, and I think it's in the Atlanta metro. It's an outer suburb, but it's just this picturesque little town that you would never guess is part of like a major city. Hmm. So, that's yeah. Neat. Good. That was that was my week, that was my week last week uh, up until a couple of days ago. So, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you to uh, I don't know if they're gonna listen to this, but I'm gonna thank Mita and Jeff and uh, Garrett and Lisa and Natalie and Anthony for letting us come and be a part of their special events. So that's neat. Yeah. Cool experience. Yeah. So, um, well, we had uh, um, different things lined up for today. Uh, but we always have uh, questions that come in. So we decided to, to change gears uh, and go with uh, a couple of questions. And uh, one of them, it's kind of curious, came... I would say for, for people who listen to the podcast, you might be like, where do they come up with all this stuff? Oh, this yeah. This is a resource, the, yeah. the Bible. And I, I you know... You know, since we are since we are recording this on Zoom and we're going to put it out this way, maybe first we I didn't introduce everybody. I'm way off my game today. So, uh, oh, okay. So, Sarah, are the names going to come up? Is everybody going to? Will that pop up on the on the recording? That's a good question. Okay. Well, I am Ryan Janky, and uh, Sarah, is this is it going to work there? Because of my background, it doesn't work very well. If your hand shows up. We have Sarah, and then we have Pastor DJ Lura. <laughs> Hi. R. So uh, uh, there's the, the faces with the names. So Sarah DeYoung, um, th this is why this is weird. This is where I was getting to. 
we got a question from someone named Dara C. Young, which I thought was oh wow, great. What a great name. Maybe it's you in a parallel universe. Ooh, it's from the upside down. <laughs> Stranger Things 4 is coming out soon. Yeah, well, that, that would make sense because uh, the question uh, involves conspiracy theories. So the, the question is, can you elaborate on the conspiracy theory about the Spear of Destiny? So first we have to go through what is the Spear of Destiny, and that is supposedly the spear uh, that the Roman soldier uh, uh, plunged into Jesus' side as he was uh, on the cross. Yeah, it, that's not, it's not supposedly, it's literally, that's, that's the tradition that has become known as the, it's, I think it was originally called the Holy Lance. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's become known as the Spear of Destiny. So that is actually the spear. It's not. Uh, um, it's not a. Uh, yeah, we found this, so this is what we're calling it. It that was actually the spear. That part of the conspiracy theory happened. Okay. Well, I I know that happened. I'm I'm talking about the actual, the actual spear that they have in a museum now. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> A couple of things. You are, you are absolutely correct that what is referred to as the Spear of Destiny refers to the lance or the spear that was thrust into Jesus' side uh, when he um, was hanging on the cross after he had died. And one of the, the things about it that it's, it's a detail that's in, it's in the Gospels, but John gives a little detail about what happened when the spear was thrust in what comes out is is water and blood mm -hmm. um, and it's an interesting little detail that the people at that time probably wouldn't have understood why uh, there was water and blood that came out it wasn't it wasn't um, it wasn't a cute um, uh, description what that gives us evidence of is that the plasma had already separated from the serum mm. and that Jesus, Jesus was dead, but he most likely died of a heart attack. Okay. Like that, that, that would have been what finally uh, ended his life um, on the cross, which it, it, you know, the death on a cross is usually asphyxiation mm -hmm. uh, as your body is working constantly to be able to breathe you're you're having excruciating pain going through your hands or your wrists and your feet in jesus case as he was um pierced through his his feet as well as his hands and so he was constantly doing this up and down motion trying to breathe mm -hmm. um, and prior to that he had received another form of capital punishment called flogging and with flogging um, i'm trying to remember the exact number it's either 40 or 50 lashes the Roman soldiers were so good at, at administering pain and death that they're, you know, they were experts at it. It wasn't some happenstance thing. They knew exactly how much punishment to give a person to keep them just alive enough to continue their, their suffering. Right. And if they had failed in some way and they didn't, dispatch someone that they were told to to kill they forfeited their own life oh wow so it wasn't an issue of like well you know when we hear about the the gospel story that that jesus for some reason was only mostly dead which meant he was slightly alive and was able to you know pull off this this uh you know a, able to fake his death or something like that the details in the gospels are so clear that it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that he truly died on the cross mm -hmm. uh, because he also received the flogging, which was a lashing of the skin with, um, I think it's, it's known as like a, like a, the Roman whip was like a, a cat of nine tails. It, it had little strips coming off of it that at the end of it were pieces of metal and bone that yep. would literally flay the skin and the muscle and, 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 you know, dent the bone as, as a person was struck. And so Jesus was most likely flogged in this manner mm -hmm. and brought just to the point of death. 
so that when he was on the cross, his death would have come much quicker than someone who was just crucified and left to hang. Because you could, as long as you could continue to move up and down, it could be days right before yeah. you die. The, but go ahead. The 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 whip that you're talking about was it uh, fairly accurate in the Passion of the Christ? What they used because I mean, if if you watch that movie, you can see it's got all sorts of. Uh, pieces of metal and barbs and all kinds of stuff on it. So that movie I've only been able to watch once. Uh, <laughs> I've never been able to watch it again. So I have a vague memory of what that was like. I just remember seeing the, you know, they whipped him all along his back and flipped him over and whipped him. All, and I, I want to say that that's probably pretty close to what okay. was used. The other way that you would um, flog someone was with, was with reeds, like three foot long, uh, 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 cudgels or like a, like, um, uh, sticks. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know, I'd, I'd have to look at the gospels to see, but I don't, I, I'm pretty sure it was the, the Roman flogging that would have led to his death because he'd already been, um, punished and, and was basically given the, he's got a, he's, he's going to die. Mm -hmm. So, um, Anyway, the, the point of all that that I was explaining is why Jesus died so quickly on the cross and this, the, the spear coming up and water and blood coming out is the separation of the plasma from the serum, which is a sign of a heart attack. Okay. Wow. Yep. So that's how we know that's most likely that's what he died of. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And that's, uh, that's a good piece of knowledge again for, um, you know, like you said right away, they, you know, they were just describing what they were seeing. Yeah. Uh, they didn't know the science behind it at the time. Well, and there was a prophecy as well about the Messiah that none of his bones would ever be broken. And if you notice what, what the soldiers do to the other two criminals hanging on the cross is they came and broke their legs. And the reason for this is because it was a special Passover and the Jewish, um, uh, people didn't want basically people suffering and screaming outside of the city uh, during that special um, Sabbath meal. Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a Sabbath because the Passover had already happened. It was a special Sabbath. And so they, they asked, I, I think that this is what I get for not reading, reading the actual passage we're talking about in advance. But um, the, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, um, requested that, that their legs be broken. Yeah. So they broke the two criminals' legs, and that would have then made it impossible for them to push up anymore. Right. And it would have asphyxiated rather quickly. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, they would have continued to be doing this thing. But when they came to Jesus, that's why the spear was, was you know, put up in his side. They didn't break his legs because he was already dead. Right. They were making sure by using the spear. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, so that, that spear has become known as the spear of destiny. And throughout the history of the church, there's been this almost, um, I don't know, a bit of a, an obsession over relics mm -hmm. and the thinking that these objects, like the, the cup that Jesus administered the Lord's Supper with, is known as the, um, the Holy Grail. Right. And, you know, if you ever read the King Arthur books, uh, the Holy Grail was thought to have all these, these supernatural properties, as well as the Holy Lance or the Spear of Destiny or anything that came into contact with Jesus. Mm -hmm. By the Middle Ages, this, this became big business. Okay. And so Martin Luther, in talking about relics, made this point. He's like, we have enough slivers from the cross to shoe all the horses in Saxony, or we have enough nails from the cross of Jesus to shoe all the horses in Saxony. Yeah. Basically making the point that none of these things can be validated as the original, but even more so, even if they were, they have no efficacious value to the Christian. It's Christ's death and resurrection that is of value mm -hmm. to us. Because what, what you would do is, to earn merit to get into heaven, you would go to these different shrines mm -hmm. or sites where it was thought that, you know, John the Baptist's skull sits here or, uh, you know, St. Peter's favorite fishing pole sat here or whatever it may be. 
and you would go and you would pray and you would pay money and you would receive merit. Um, it was it was a form of indulgence. Okay. Where you would earn merit through the the cult of saints by going to the the these different places. Yeah. And and the spear of destiny falls under that category and was is a relic that is uh, lifted up to be adored for the faithful to earn merit to escape from purgatory after death and enter heaven. Okay. As Lutherans, we don't buy into any of that stuff. Yeah. Because Hitler coveted that spear. Uh, that, yeah, uh, apparently. Um, and there's movies about that. Yeah. Um, I, I, he, uh, I guess that was one of the first things that he went after when they, uh, when the Nazis overtook, um, uh, Vienna, I believe where it was, is that where it was when they got it? Um, and, uh, that was one of the first things he went for because supposedly he thought it had some powers, um, or, or it was enough to motivate his followers, but I don't know the historicity of that. I haven't studied that, but I, I'm a, I'm a comic book fan. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole thing as to why the superheroes in the forties in the comic books, like Batman, Superman, we would read the, the, these would be published, you know, in the United States. Why, why didn't the superheroes just go over there and take over the Germans, you know, uh, uh, defeat the Germans because Superman could do it lickety split. Yeah. The reason they couldn't is because Hitler had the spear of destiny, which kept, all of Europe protected from the superheroes coming and ending World War II. So that was a, that was a, um, in DC comics, that was a storyline during World War II and following World War II as to why the superheroes didn't just go and take care of it. Wow. Yeah. There's all kinds of, uh, of weird, weird, uh, uh, conspiracy theories that come from different places like, um, um you know the the ark of the the ark of the covenant uh being in the hands of the knights templar or uh uh you know right. the, the dan brown stuff or um even the, the shroud of turin you know well and and we love a good mystery we love to be entertained it's it's a very human trait to try to find patterns especially interesting patterns and make them into stories yeah uh, Think about the drive today of what's called, you know, fake news. It's, it's difficult to tell what is true and what isn't true in this very polarized time. But a lot of it also is about entertaining people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not saying one story is right or wrong, but I, I learned a good lesson when I was in college studying sociology that anything that you see in the media, there's a grain of truth and it's mixed in with a whole lot of spin. Because, mm -hmm. uh, and you guys both have backgrounds in communication, so may, I don't know if they taught you this too, but I mean, it's a business, they're selling you something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite things that I learned in college was from my professor Liz Conney. And it's so mean, but she used to always say, she's like, if you're talking to somebody who's a reporter, make sure you know whose face you're talking to or which face you're talking to. Right, right. So, that's very true. You know, and, and that's, that's not new with the way we have media and television and so on. The idea of entertaining stories, especially like a mystery of some powerful unseen group that's manipulating things behind the scenes. I mean, that's, that's where a lot of conspiracy theories get their start is the suspicion mm -hmm. that there's someone out there pulling strings and we're all affected by them. Yeah. It's fun, fun to, uh, fun to watch movies about, but sometimes I think it probably takes away from the most important thing. Well, I remember when the Da Vinci Code came out and I read it and I'm like, this is really interesting, but I'd already studied the, the material that he was talking about and just reading it. I'm like, yeah, that's not true. That's not true. That's <laughs> not true. Um, however, if you didn't have a background in studying about the the scriptures and how they came together and the story of Jesus and the the factualness of the biblical narrative and why it's factual in fact most people don't even know this the bible is probably the, the new testament specifically luke is probably the best historical record of what was happening during the time of, of Jesus 
as far as any historical document is concerned over any subject. Yeah. I mean, there is more evidence that Jesus lived, died, and is raised than the fact that I exist. And I'm sitting here talking to you right now, mm -hmm. and there's going to be a video for perpetuity. There's still more evidence for Jesus' existence than my own existence. Yeah. And, and people don't know that, they, you know, because conspiracy theories. Right. And uh, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but um, I heard that uh, anytime archaeologists in that area want to find something or, or use a point of reference, the first place they go to is the Bible. Yeah. All the, you know, it's very documented on where things are. Well, and, and it's, it's kind of the reverse. When you look for evidence, often people think, well, the archaeological evidence has, I don't know where this idea came from, but the archaeological evidence seems to downplay the historicity of the Bible. It's actually the reverse. Um, as we discover more archaeological finds, we find that they validate what the Bible says and overturn previous uh, theories about, you know, well, Luke didn't mean this place because that place doesn't exist. A couple years later, it's like, oh, yeah, never mind. It does exist. Luke was yeah. right. Um, the archaeological evidence is part of the evidence for Jesus that is just insurmountable. It's huge. Um, but it's, it, you, you sell more stories by saying, ah, we found a new gospel that gives the real story, or we found a new detail that, that brings it all into question. That, that gets pe that's clickbait. That'll get people to click on something rather than, aha, uh, everything that the Bible says is true. You know, that's not, <laughs> you're not going to click that story, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Dara C. Young, for that question. Uh, and if yes. anything, what a great question, uh, yeah. asker. Yeah. Good old Dara. You must be smart. Um, I, think, I think so. <laughs> uh, and if anybody wants to uh, uh, submit questions, you can do that at atonement. Uh, I'm sorry, thatpodcast.net. They can be submitted there. Um, and we do have one more that I'd like to touch on before we're done. Uh, I just got to say, Ryan, I just, I, I look at, at, at your screen and it just puts a smile on my face because those earphones are huge. <laughs> yep. Uh, they were, uh, um, I, wanted, I wanted some inspiration for Dr. Dre to make some, nice. that podcast, uh, uh, headphones. Uh, <laughs> the next question comes from Derek W. And Derek W. has uh, submitted some really good questions in the past. Um, he writes, Dear podcaster friends, Leviticus 19.28 says tattoos and piercings are forbidden. Are tattoos and piercings and piercings acceptable in the eyes of the church so long as they aren't hateful or sacrilegious imagery? Yeah, so great question. Um, something that I think Christians continue to struggle with, and it's why it's important to be in the Word of God every single day to understand, uh, well, really to kind of fill you up with good stuff before we get filled up with all the junk food of information that, that comes our way. Yeah. You know, that's a big pastor cross idiom of being in the word, fill yourself up, uh, store yourself in the truth before going anywhere from there, right? right. And so good way to start is to just go and read it. So I'm going to read it and then share a little bit about the context because context is key. Uh, so it's 20 verse 27, right? Uh, I thought he wrote 28. Nine, Leviticus 19.28 is what he uh, wrote down. Okay. So it's, it's within, uh, Leviticus is, is the book of laws, um, primarily for the priesthood, but also for the people. You, in, in the Old Testament, you have the Ten Commandments, right? Mm -hmm. And then on the Ten Commandments, you have basically the rest of the story of Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You have four books that give what I call yeah buts mm -hmm. to the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments are real simple. I am the Lord your God starts as a promise to everybody. Um, 
And it's a statement. It's not that I am the Lord, period, this far off, omnipotent, all-powerful being that if you cross them, is going to throw lightning bolts at you like, like Zeus or something or Jupiter, the, the Greek and Roman gods, or Odin. Um, but it starts as a promise. I am the Lord, your God. And it's a promise that's given specifically to a people at a time and place within history. And it's to the people of Israel, to the Hebrews, as they're traveling from uh, in the wilderness after they've been delivered out of slavery in Egypt and God promises them a land of their own, which is really a return to the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 400 years earlier. Okay. A little bit of the context. Now they go to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb where God gives the 10 commandments to Moses. And these are the standard by which all other laws flow for the people of Israel, but also for Western society, because Western civilization is not separated from the advent of Christianity and the values that are attached to it. Values like every human being has value. Um, individual liberty, uh, individual unalienable rights given by God, not by a government or a ruler, okay? Right. So Western civilization also goes back to the Ten Commandments as the best law or, or rule by which we are to live peaceably with one another. Mm -hmm. Starts with the promise, I am the Lord your God. The first commandment is you shall have no other gods. The second commandment is you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. The third commandment is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now these have to do with how we relate to God. Um, traditionally, the Ten Commandments are thought to be on two tablets. Mm -hmm. And Martin Luther called them the Decalogue. And the first tablet only has the first three commandments on it. And the, last, the second tablet has four through ten. Because the first tablet has to do with how we are to relate to God relationally. Four through ten has to do with how we are to relate to our neighbor relationally. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're don'ts um, for the most part. But they have both a negative and a positive expectation that's placed on you. Right? So the first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods. That's, that's negative. You shall not do this. The positive is that you can rely on God, not some idol or false belief. Um, with the second commandment, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. God's saying, don't take my name in vain. But on, on top of that, it's to say, use my name correctly because you have access to the one true God that you can pray to, praise, uh, give thanks, and seek out his aid in every time of need. Mm -hmm. Okay. Third commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Um, this means that we are to rest in God's word. As busy as we get, six days a week, take a day where you are resting in God's presence, in his word, um, not doing the labor. And it's a rest that's not just for the individual, it's for the animals, it's for the land, it's for everybody. Uh, God gives it as a gift. The fourth commandment, it now has to do with how we relate to our neighbor. Honor your father and your mother. Uh, and it has a promise to it that I love. It says, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God will give you. Like, you know, you hear that old saying of a parent who's like, I brought you in this world, I'll take you out. <laughs> so, what's that? Uh, uh, Heathcliff Huxtable. Right. <laughs> so this is, this is actually a positive one that um, God has given you. It's not a do not, it's, an, it's a do. Um, God has given you parents to bless you and take care of you. Uh, and the right relationship of a parent to a child is one of honor and respect. Um, uh, Martin Luther said we are to serve, obey, love, and respect our parents and others in authority who are given by God to take care of us. Now, it also has the warning to parents that parents be honorable, be worthy of honor. So it goes both ways. And if parents don't keep their responsibility in being chosen to be a parent, God gives other authorities in our lives to come to our relief. Mm -hmm. You know, judges, doctors, teachers, um, confirmation teachers. 
whatever it may be, other adults that are there to guide and, and protect and nurture children. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fifth commandment, you shall not kill. Don't do this. Only God has uh, the say and the judgment of life over life and death. Mm -hmm. The positive of it is that you are called to be selfless and help your neighbor in every time of need. That's the do. Mm -hmm. Sixth is, is you shall not commit adultery. That um, uh, the gift of creation of life, God has so designed uh, uh, a husband and a wife to engage in creation as well as enjoyment um, through intimacy. Uh, and that God protects this with an institution called marriage, which is for one man and one woman for life in order to protect, nurture, sustain life. Mm -hmm. And so do not, do not break that. Instead, find joy and contentment by honoring and, and loving your spouse, basically. Uh, the seventh commandment is you shall not steal. This is the catcher's commandment. Every catcher should have this on their, their mitt. You know, you shall not steal. Um, don't take other people's stuff. At the same time, help your neighbor expand and grow what they have and help them take care of it. The eighth commandment is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, don't gossip. Mm -hmm. the, the positive is speak well of your neighbor and interpret everything they do in the best possible light. Come to their defense. The ninth commandment and 10th commandment are kind of connected and they're a motivator of everything that drives you into action of, uh, of sinning. Uh, they're the covet commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. This means that be content with what you have rather than trying to take or, or constantly longing after what your neighbor has. You know, it's the trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yep. The 10th commandment is you shall not covet your neighbor's relationships. Uh, the language is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or manservant or maidservant or ox or donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Mm -hmm. That's to do with the relationships. And, and it's about being thankful and joyful and actually being in relationship with the people that God has put into your life rather than constantly longing for a new relationship, turning away from, from those uh, honorable relationships that you have. So, from the 10th commandment, from the 10 commandments come all kinds of yeah, buts. So God says, you shall not kill. But what if I inadvertently cause someone's death? Mm -hmm. is, the, is the penalty still the same? Is the punishment still the same? And so you have throughout Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, yeah, buts to the 10 commandments. That gets us to where Derek's question comes in. I'm going to read verse um, 26 through 28, because they speak of the same thing. And this is the context for his question. His question was, piercings, tattoos, good or bad, according to the Bible. Right. It says, you shall not eat any flesh with the blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. You shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. You ever shave your beard? No. You ever get a haircut? <laughs> What do you think these verses before verse 28 are talking about? What, which of the Ten Commandments do you think they're dealing with? Oh, um, Sarah? Your own God? Oh, I'm sorry? First one? The first one. Well, and, that, and that's really important because the first one, if you break any of the other ten, you break the first. Because I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods. Any action that you do that is sinful is saying, God, I don't trust you to be my God or my neighbor's God. I'm going to put something else in place of you as my ultimate concern. This has to do with violating the first commandment and prob probably more than that, but I can see it violating the second commandment. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God because it has to do with actions that are taken in a magical fashion to manipulate God. Okay. Because you, you get to the next one. You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. 
So what is, what is the context here? Whether it's eating flesh with the blood in it, interpret omens or tell fortunes, round off the hair at the temples, mar the edges of your beard. Why were people doing that? The context shows that it's all tied in with manipulating God. Okay. Because the next verse says, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. The word, the, the entire phrase is tied into ways that you manipulate God to practice magic for the sake of the dead. And what's being condemned here are cults of the dead. Okay. Like, like you could think of it like, you know, um, necromancy right. or sorcery. Well, that's a violation of the second commandment. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, because we know there's no such thing as uh, uh, power over the dead that is separate from God's authority, mm -hmm. right? He has the authority over life and death. Death is not more powerful than God. The temptation for sinners is to try to manipulate the universe through ritual in such a way that you gain power over it. I mean, that, that is the heart of what magic is about. Not, not like um, Siegfried and Roy doing magic tricks, mm -hmm. but, but people who think that by carrying out a certain ritual, which is usually tied to some type of sacrifice, whether a sacrifice of another person's life, which is a violation of the fifth commandment, or by cutting yourself, which is a violation of the fifth commandment, you shall not kill. Mm -hmm. You're harming yourself. They all are against the Lord. And God ends it with his original promise. I am the Lord. Do you see how that works? Yeah. So if tattoos or piercings is the issue, it comes down to a question of motivation. For Christians, and I'm going I'm to add this in here too, the Ten Commandments are God's intentions for life. The Levitical code is not intended for Christians. It's a, it's a, it gives good guidance, but it's given to the people of Israel to set them apart from the rest of the world that is engaging in things like death cults and so on and so forth. Now, Christianity, a Christian is grafted into the house of God. We're, we're what John uh, uh, Paul calls the, the new Israel is that Christians are a part of that relationship, but the old covenant, the old law has come to an end and we live under a new law, which is the law of Christ. Mm -hmm. We are free in Christ from the ritual, from the um, ceremonial law that was given specifically to the Israelites. And it doesn't discount the 10 commandments. The Ten Commandments are the, the standard on which all the yabuts are built. We have them in our culture, too. We have yabuts like crazy. Mm -hmm. like, like, I'll go back to the original one of, let's say, you know, the law says you shall not kill. That's a given. What if I inadvertently kill someone through an accident? Do I deserve death myself? Or is the proper punishment like third-degree manslaughter, where there's a consequence of some kind for the action? a penance to be paid uh, for the sake of society. Right. That's, that's what we have in our culture. All of it's built off of the, the Ten Commandments, but the context for how to um, carry that out is not the same today as it was then. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason is because Christ has fulfilled the law in its totality and has therefore set it in its proper place where we do not keep the old Levitical covenant, which is to keep all these laws, and there's like 300 and something of them. There's a lot of them. But rather to live for Christ, which is to love God and love your neighbor, which is the heart of all of the law. And how that looks is different depending on the circumstance. So with that being said, if I am tattooing myself to engage in a death cult and to manipulate God to do what I want, well, I'm not living faithfully according to God's word and God's intentions for my life. I'm trying to control God, put God in a box, right? Yep. Um, but if I got a tattoo because I like a design 
or I'm a, I'm a big, you know, Broncos fan. So I get the logo on there. Well, I wouldn't do it, but you're not damned to hell for, for having that because your, your righteousness does not rely on your tattoo. It relies on Christ. If your righteousness, if your identity, if yourself, if your worldview relies on your tattoo and not Christ, then you're condemned already. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. And uh, for the record, I don't have any tattoos. I don't want to know. It's none of my business. Uh, <laughs> including a Broncos tattoo. <laughs> you know, and in this day and age, many people get tattoos because of a form of self-expression, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. But it, it comes down to everything. We will make an idol out of anything. Mm-hmm. And if you're making an idol out of a tattoo or a piercing or your whatever your worldview is that is contrary to your identity in Christ, mm-hmm. well, then you're engaging in idolatry and violating the first three commandments. Okay. So does that help to make sense? We are free in Christ. The old is dead. Mm-hmm. The new has begun. And even if you have a tattoo, uh, when you when you when your identity belongs to Christ, the tattoo is irrelevant. Just as anything that would point to worship being taken away from God becomes irrelevant. It's just ink on an arm, mm-hmm. right? Or, or or a piercing in the ear, right? It affects more how your neighbors respond to you than how God responds to you, because God is more concerned with your heart than with a tattoo or a piercing or anything that's on the outside. And Jesus talks about this when he says, it's not what's on the outside that counts that, you know, he's talking about food specifically, but it's what's in your heart that counts. Right. And what's in your heart will reflect in how you live your life. Because if God is your ultimate concern, well, why wouldn't you want to live the way God wants you to live? Right. But this commandment, This law, as I read it, is not talking about tattoos and piercings. It's talking about actions taken in order to manipulate God and to have power over the dead. Okay. Which is witchcraft or whatever you want to call it. And there's no power in that. But people will give those things power over themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's that's what the Bible speaks of as like demonic. Right. Okay. Questions, comments, confusions? I, I have a follow-up question, but I'm afraid that we don't have the time to cover that one today. So that'll be a teaser for a future episode. <laughs> Talk so much, I had to get the big Diet Coke out. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, uh, this was this was fun. It was new um, doing doing the podcast that podcast this way. Maybe we'll do it again. We'll see how it goes over. Um, but. Uh, um, DJ, thank you for, uh, for answering those questions. I love Derek's questions. He has the best questions that honestly, I think a lot of people wonder about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially if you're new to the faith or you, or if you've been in the faith for a while, you're like, well, I don't know. I, I should know this already. Didn't right. we teach this in Sunday school? Well, no, uh, yeah. there's no bad questions. Right. Speaking bad answers, poor answers, but. Speaking of questions, we're going through a bunch on uh, on Sunday mornings at Atonement. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll be doing that again this Sunday at nine a.m., ten thirty a.m. Um, you can uh, come into the building, forty six zero one South University Drive in Fargo, or you can uh, join us online at Atonement uh, AtonementFargo.live um, or Atonement. What what is it, Sarah? AtonementFargo.org or Atonement.live or search Atonement Fargo on YouTube. I don't have my notes. <laughs> I get nervous. <laughs> All right, that's it for today. Uh, pray. Who's going to pray? Uh, um, Ryan's got it. I got it? All right. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for technology to um, be able to uh, um, to to be able to keep connected um, when we have to be apart, Lord. God, I uh, thank you for uh, Sarah and for Pastor DJ uh, for everything that they everything that they do and um, um, the things that they do to help people keep connected and uh, the knowledge um, that that they uh, 
that they um, share um, for questions or anything. God, I pray uh, that uh, those who who are listening would uh, be blessed by uh, by what they've heard. I, I pray that uh, maybe it would uh, spark them to to get into the Word a little bit and to discover things for themselves. Um, God, I pray for a good week for everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So for Pastor DJ Lura and Sarah DeYoung, I'm Ryan Janke, and you can join us next week for another riveting episode of that podcast. Sarah's <laughs> <laughs> got it. That's as much as I remember of it. All right. See you later, everybody.